Welcome to episode 129 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversations with Sycomer trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players or by going to sycomer.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us in Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. Our sponsor this week is PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. On today's episode, I'm featuring a conversation with Brandy Carney, a licensed clinical social worker with Northwell Health's Unified Behavioral Health Center for Military Veterans and Their Families to discuss her work in supporting PsychArmor's Hidden Helpers Facilitators Guide, an interactive journal, which is designed to increase peer support among military-connected caregiving youth and reduce social isolation. You can find out more about Brandy by checking out her bio on our show notes. Let's get into my conversation with her and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. Brandy, I'm glad to be able to have this conversation with you about your work supporting both behavioral health of veterans and their families, as well as your work in the development of the Hidden Helpers Facilitators Guide. Before we start talking about that, however, I'd like for you to share a bit about yourself and why supporting the military-affiliated population is important to you. Sure. I've worked within the military realm since 1997. I am a social worker by trade. And I did my internship with the Northport VA, which is on Long Island in New York. And I had an immediate just love of working with in the military field. I, I love the organization. I like the hierarchy. I love just the standards and really the appreciation that a lot of our military and veterans feel towards mental health workers, because those who we would really see at the VA we're really struggling at the time. So I worked at the VA for 25 years. And then I also have to just say that I'm in this line of work because both my parents are within behavioral health. They're both social workers. My dad actually worked at the VA. I have a grandfather who is a 100% service-connected Navy veteran. Both my parents are first responders and work for Red Cross Mental Health disaster team responding to mass casualties. I myself responded after 9-11 to the Family Assistance Center. I was down by the peers for quite a long time. This has been inbred in me that this is what you do. You go out and you give yourself to others and you help others. And then what better way than to give back to those who have given so much? So I was at the VA for 25 years. At that time, actually partnering with Northwell's Unified Behavioral Health Center, worked very closely with them because my final job at the Northport VA was within the caregiver program, which aligns with hidden helpers. We worked with the caregivers of our injured. My job was directly working with post 9-11 caregivers, so mostly mothers and wives and working with the families and helping them apply for a program that is within the VA. And many times we shared the similar caseloads with Unified Behavioral Health because we were working with the veterans and our caregivers and family members would be seen at Unified Behavioral Health. The mission of Unified Behavioral Health 
is to support and provide resources and skill building and stress management tools to family members. So our setup is pretty dynamic. We actually are in the same building with the VA. And the premise is you walk in the front door, the veterans go to the right, and the family members go to the left, treated by Northwell's Behavioral Health Center. And then the hope was everyone receives their treatment and they come together again at that common door and they leave together. I was at the VA for such a long time that it was time for a bit of a change and it felt like Northwell was family and there was a job opportunity. So I took my chance and it's been a great opportunity being on the other side of working with the families, all those years working with the veterans. And now it's just been so fulfilling being able to pivot a bit and work with those children and wives and sometimes doing couples therapy. So I think that's where it's been since I was young, 26 years ago, this has been what I've done. There was really nothing more in my mind that I'd want to do than work with this population, especially the families. I find it interesting uh, talking to clinicians who really bridged that period of time pre 9-11. So you started working with service members and veterans where it, it was likely Cold War veterans, Vietnam yes. veterans, maybe yes. beginning of sort of Gulf War, Persian Gulf War veterans. But then you were in the VA when it then transitioned very oh, quickly. Yeah. Two waves crashed in. Vietnam veterans started to engage more post 9-11 veterans. But even in the mid 90s, there wasn't a lot of conversations around supporting caregivers. And so I'm curious what that transition was like for you within the VA. Yeah, it, it was so dynamic. I actually remember some really pivotal times within the era of this OEF, OIF war and things that happened and how it felt on campus, right? How it really felt at the VA. So the caregiver program started in 2011 and what they, what really, what Congress recognized was that in order to effectively take care of our veterans who were injured in the line of duty, what better way to support them and increase their success in the community than to support their families? This was tremendous. And when we received the news about this program and we started filtering it out to the community members and to caregivers or who they didn't even at that point, they didn't even think of themselves as caregivers, right? right? They were like, I'm not a caregiver, I'm his wife. And we were like, no, but you are a caregiver. You're taking care of him. So that level of being validated was huge. I also worked in the emergency room and how often we'd have a service member or a veteran come in and the caregiver, or the wife would be sent to the waiting room. So this was a huge pivot in being able to really say, you're important, you're part of the treatment team. We need to value you and hear what's going on at home in order to make sure that we're getting the big picture of what this veteran really requires. How many times did I have a veteran come in and I'd say, hey, Joe, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good, Brandy. I'm good. And then I'd see the wife behind me shaking her head. He's not, you know. So that it really opened the door to allow these hidden helpers be recognized and feel validated and feel heard because many times it was just the focus on their service member or their veteran that was getting most of the attention. So the support and the education really took a different kind of role within the VA life and what we now do at Unified Behavioral Health. 
Right. And you mentioned you are part of the leadership team at Northwell Health's Unified Behavioral Health Center for Military Veterans and their families. Yes, I want to get to the partnership between PsychArmor Northwell and the Hidden Helpers Facilitation Guide, but I'd like to hear more about some of the programs, treatments, and support that you provide at Northwell for the military-affiliated population. Sure. So we have a host of different treatments. Again, our focus is on the family. We do see active duty. We do see veterans. We provide couples counseling. We have groups. So right now we actually have a coping skills group, which is attended by wives. And when I think about it, they're really caregivers for their veterans. And then on Fridays, my colleague, Dr. Desiree Romaguera, she runs a caregiver support group. So this group is attended by women who are providing a high level of care to their veterans in the home setting. And there are some wives there that have also stayed within that group setting. Their husbands may have passed, but they almost serve as a bit of an extra peer support. I helped to run that for a little bit. And that peer support was so genuine and created such a bond between these ladies. So we run these groups, individual support, of course. We use all evidence-based processes of providing treatment. So we use EFT, which is emotionally focused therapy. We use CBT. We use CPT. We use, we make sure that our staff are trained and they have, a, have access to trainings that are being offered within Northwell as well as outside of Northwell. We, we work with kids. This is really huge, right? Because especially some of these younger kids, sometimes they lack that military community. So that's why we saw the benefit of the partnership with PsychArmor because we were able to bring children together so that they had that feeling of community and connectedness, that group feel of you get where I'm coming from just like what we see in our support groups that run during the week. We do, we have a lot of community partners. We do outreach events. We're at many mental health program events within the community. We were just part of the Joseph Dwyer Day of Wellness, which brings a bunch of vendors together that provide mental health as well as other wellness initiatives such as Reiki and massage and art therapy and equine therapy. We all join together for a day to just offer our services and remind our military and veteran community and their families that we're here to support them. Right now, we're also partnering with the David Lynch Foundation, and we're starting a, a research program about the effectiveness of transcendental meditation. And the studies are showing that this type of meditation that you do 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night can be as effective as CPT, which is 12 weeks of very intensive therapy. And they're using this very independently focused form of meditation. And they're seeing a huge benefit to just 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon. And we partner, we have a program called the Military Liaison Program through Northwell. We have a good partnership with them as well. So our, we really want to make sure that we're partnering with agencies within the community so that there's a host of different resources that are being fed to us as needed. We work with our Air National Guard unit. So we're really out there. And I really appreciate hearing in the clinical space. And as I mentioned before we got started in my clinical background, 
if we as clinicians had the solution, the problems would be solved right now, right? It isn't just a clinical solution. As you mentioned, there are other needs outside of the clinical space, just as some of the social needs also might have a clinical focus, but things I assume like housing support, employment support that aren't necessarily within the realm of clinicians and behavioral health, but really impact the social and behavioral wellness of those who served in their families. And that's why we love to build those partnerships, because those are real stressors that we're seeing, especially where we live in New York. It's very expensive. So those housing, those food situations sometimes do come up. We like to be able to say, we have someone that could help you reach out to this organization or this organization or Sometimes just a quick phone call. Do you have a housing resource or do you have an employment opportunity? Those type of resources are what we really build into just that knowledge of the effective treatment of veterans and their families. I think that's a critical aspect. Again, we're treating the psychological, behavioral, and emotional wellness, but also that that person is a whole person and they've got their needs. Now, as you've mentioned, your organization has partnered with PsychArmor to produce an innovative resource to support children and youth living in a caregiving home that supports veterans. Developed as part of the Hidden Helpers Coalition, this helps participants build connections with other hidden helpers and supports youth in their interactions with non-caregiving youth. What can you tell us about your partnership with PsychArmor and the Hidden Helpers Facilitation Guide? Yeah, this was really great. And we're so pleased with the outcome. We couldn't have scripted what happened after this group. It was, it just went literally according to plan. We worked side by side for many months. Our Dr. Romaguera, she's really a pediatric guru. She has always run a lot of groups, pediatric groups within our center. She really helped to look at some of the guidebook, making sure that it was age appropriate, and the timeline was correct and looking at just the dynamics within each session. So we worked together probably almost every single Friday, checking in with each other. Where are we at? We did a lot of advertising, just making sure that we were trying to reach all corners of military families and military youth. And we rolled out this four-session group that started with icebreakers and then drew on activities that really connected the youth within this group. I think something that we did that was really important was our screening process. The screening process was important because we were able on the back end of it to see where a lot of similarities were forming. So for example, some of the youth in the group, service animals, post-traumatic stress, the oldest sibling in the home, we were able to take note of that and then build that into what our groups look like during some of the activities, which then already formulated that bond. Oh, my dad has a service animal. Oh, my dad does too. I'm the oldest of the family. Oh, I am too. We had to cancel my vacation last week because dad just wasn't feeling good and we had a lot of doctor's appointments. That's happened to us too. So this bond formed between these youth, these girls, that has now transpired into a connection after group has completed. It also, we noticed that even the parents in the waiting room, they were able to connect. So there was such a strong bond that was made and 
And we're hoping that this will continue. We're hoping that we understand that this is something that's formulating and hopefully growing. But we would love to see different age ranges. The age range that we had for this group was 10 to 12 years old. We engage them in age-appropriate activities, trust building, talking about service to others. They were able to reflect on being Girl Scouts, for example, and then correlating it into, let's talk about how dad served. Let's talk about how mom serves. How are you helping? Maybe you're not doing the hands-on care, but you're providing some kind of support. And some of these youth were like, yeah, sometimes I have to help with my younger siblings because mom is really busy with dad. So it was a tremendous dynamic that when we got to session three, the girls looked at each other and we said, see you next week. It's our last session. And it was, it was upsetting for them. They really bonded. And afterwards, they shared telephone numbers and the parents have given me feedback already that they're texting and FaceTiming. And luckily, they live in similar communities. So it, it really worked out. It really worked out. I think the mission of the partnership really formulated into something that was so beneficial for the family on a whole. And again, this idea of providing support to these children in families that are providing support for veterans, like you said, they weren't caregivers themselves, but that can be a really isolating experience. A lot of caregiver families, the caregiving spouses or partners are really focused on the needs and really their entire world is based on that, that caregiving role. And that can be really isolating to children, especially children at that age, as you're talking about 10 to 12 years old at a very critical part of their sort of social and emotional development, I can see that this is really beneficial to connect them socially and let them know that they're not alone. They're not experiencing I, this in a unique way. Absolutely. I think that's really what hit home for them. And you could see it within the room, right? So we would, we would complete certain activities and the girls would write something down and you would see the aha moment in the other participant just understanding and reflecting. And you could even see the level of connectedness from session one compared to session four was completely different. It was completely different. They were really, it was really very united feeling, you really understand me. You really get me. So yeah, I think that we couldn't have scripted that any better. And again, I think that some of the screening tools and some of the activities and really hitting home on, on what it looks like and normalize what it looks like in their home from day to day was really important for them. There was a new energy that it felt like they, they really had with every session that we completed. I can also imagine is in even going back to your own personal story, you have a family of service. I have a family of service, my father, three of his brothers, two grandfathers, my younger brother, all in the military, right? So, so families serve. And even now, my oldest daughter is an elementary school teacher. So the idea of families serving, and so these are probably children who have an ingrained sense of the value of service and supporting others. And so not only, and this is really where the value of peer support is, not just getting support from others, but providing support to others really fulfills that need to support others in a very meaningful way, I think. Oh, very therapeutic, very therapeutic. And I know that just drawing on and providing education on what service can look like, your service to the community, your service to your family. I think that sometimes, especially in families where there is a lot of service that's being given, it's just normalized and you may not be 
as reflective on the fact of what you actually are doing. And I think for these girls, that was really important for them to really understand what they do within their family, what their mothers were doing within their family, what their father gave, and a bit of the sacrifice that they're making on a regular basis. Yeah, I I think that it sounds like a very amazing resource, right? This is going to be developed into resources, you said, is going to be provided for others who may want to have these kind of groups. What do you see as the next steps? You mentioned some of your hopes to maybe expand to other age ranges and things like that, but how could you see this kind of resource being used in other areas? Yeah, I definitely, I know that when we were working with the staff of Psych Armor, they were talking about bringing it into schools and seeing facilitators that may want to be part of this, such as teachers. It doesn't have to be a mental health provider, but just to be trained in the military culture and understanding dynamics and bringing it to the school so that even the non-military children could really understand their peers and really get something out of understanding what maybe the little girl sitting next to you, what her dad, what their home looks like, and valuing that rather than just focusing on something that you see on TV or recognizing during Veterans Day or Memorial Day. So from what we've learned is that it looks like there are different age ranges that will be focused on and the curriculum will change based on the age appropriateness activities. Uh, We've been involved in after action items, reviewing our findings and hopes of looking at how we could further partner as these age ranges expand and we can move forward with, again, this was just a brief snippet of four sessions, but it looks like it'll be something more like eight sessions, which we think would be great because we saw the value in four sessions. Eight sessions would be tremendous to bring these children together. Also in our area, in many areas, there's not a big military community. People live everywhere. So to bring these children together so that they feel this unity, the benefits are just, they're just unbelievable. And again, I think it's so important, the care that we provide at the center, all of our providers just have such an awareness of military culture, have so much training and really kind of walk the walk. The, you know, service to others is a huge component even just within our providers. And I like to think that we we feel like a family. We have a very cohesive unit. And I feel like it really transcends into those that we treat as well. They could feel just the warmth of who we are. Yeah, no, clinical doesn't mean cold, as I often refer no. to, to my clients. Brandy, this is great. I really appreciate the work that you and your team have done to partner with PsychArmor for this. If people wanted to find out more about Northwell or the Unified Behavioral Health Center, how could they do that? Sure. So our phone number directly is 631-647-2530. There's also a website that I'm happy to share with you that brings you right to, we have a QR code. But we do have websites that can bring you directly to our, our center's website, which tells you a little bit about our providers and the care that we provide and our hours and our location. It's comprehensive. And we look forward to hearing from anyone who would love to learn more about all that we do. That's great. Now, make sure that the link to the website is in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show Thanks today. Between. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much.
Once again, we'd like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. As the husband of a wife that stuck with me through four deployments, two of which were significantly challenging deployments during the surges of both Iraq and Afghanistan, and the father of two children who were in kindergarten and first grade when I left for Iraq for my first deployment and were approaching high school during my last deployment to North Africa, I sincerely appreciate any efforts that are made towards supporting military-affiliated families. I know for certain that I could not have done what I needed to do if I didn't think that my family was taken care of. Not only that, my service is still impacting our families in large and small ways 10 years after I retired. Where we live, my post-military career, the friend groups of my children, all were impacted by my service and my family's experience of that service. Compound that with a family whose service member was catastrophically wounded, ill, or injured, and that support is needed in even greater ways. And that's why I'm glad to be able to share the guide that Brandy and her colleagues have helped PsychArmor develop. You might have picked up on it during our conversation, but the Hidden Helpers Facilitator's Guide is a resource that will help those who are interested in supporting children in a caregiving home to host a support group specifically designed for their needs. Approximately 2.3 million children under the age of 18 live with a veteran who is disabled and are often tasked with additional responsibilities in their military caregiving home lives. Many Hidden Helpers rise to the challenge of helping out more often at home, However, this does not go without consequence. Research has found that in order to combat the negative outcomes associated with growing up in a military caregiving home, children need more support to navigate their experiences as hidden helpers. This facilitator's guide aims to be an additional resource for hidden helpers by focusing on hidden helper peer connection and support. The facilitator's guide is designed to help group leaders facilitate an open conversation with hidden helpers keeping in mind the goals of helping participants build connections within their Hidden Helpers community and empowering participants to successfully interact with non-caregiving youth. The guide is broken up into four sections, corresponding to the group sessions that Brandy referred to, which include activities, exercises, and guided discussions designed, again, in part by Brandy and her colleagues, to meet the needs of the youth in the groups. In addition to the facilitator's guide, Sycamore has also produced a journal that is intended to be used during the group to help the children further develop their ability to advocate for their needs and create connections with others. As I'm sure you know by now, the link to both the guide and the journal are in the show notes, but you can also find them by going to Sycamore.org. So I hope you appreciated my conversation with Brandy. If you did, we'd love to hear from you. So if you do have some feedback, let us know. Drop a review in your podcast player of choice or send us an email at info at we're always glad to hear from listeners, both feedback on the show and suggestions for future guests. For this week's PsychArmor Resource of the Week, I'd like to share the PsychArmor course, Supporting Children Who Support Veterans. Intended for parents with small children, we hope that this course will give you some building blocks to address any parenting challenges you may encounter as your children mature. You can find a link to the resource in our show notes. So thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find in the podcast app, as well as on the Psychummer website, psychummer.org forward slash podcast. While you're there, you can find hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation and make sure to engage with Psychummer on social media to let us know what you thought about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. 
This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by PsychArmor. Much appreciation to the team at PsychArmor that makes the show happen. Carol Turner, Vice President of Strategic Communications, who keeps me on track and is an outstanding guest coordinator. Support and transcripts by Emma Atherall. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we request that you do, but make sure to let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode. And until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well. <laughs>